Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Camp of the Hills 20 for 20 podcast, where we're going to get to talk to some of Camp's most influential directors, leaders, and facilitators from over the past 20 years. For more information about this amazing 48-hour fundraising event, please go to 20-for20.com. That's 20for20.com. Seriously, guys, thank you so much for your love and support. Enjoy the podcast. Now, before we get started, here's a quick message from Drew and Michael. Have you ever served at Camp of the Hills? If you have, you probably remember the heat, the hard work, walking up the hill, and that sparkling, crystal clear water of Lake Travis. We are excited to say, in 2018, we have committed to paying our counselors so they can come to camp and focus on serving and loving the kids. To kick off these efforts, we're hosting a 48-hour fundraising event that we're calling 20 for 20. Why 20 for 20, you ask? Good question. Well, as we said, it's been 20 years since camp has been in a position to pay our counselors, and we're asking everyone who has ever served at Camp of the Hills to give $20 to this great campaign. And there you have it, a $20 gift and dedication of 20 years of kingdom service for our counselor. It's that simple. Over the past 20 years, we estimate there have been more than 5,000 individuals who have served at camp in some capacity counselors, summer staff, kitchen staff, volunteers, work groups. Our goal is to spread this campaign throughout the interwebs and reconnect with every single person who has ever served at Camp of the Hills in hopes that they will give us just $20. Of course you can give more. If we're successful and all 5,000 people give just $20 though, then we'll raise $100,000 and have enough to pay our summer staff in 2018 and beyond. All right, well, we're here with uh, Brandon Garrett, and I'm Chris Fikes, and we are doing another installment of our Camp of the Hills uh, basic history. Uh, what are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> we're going back and, and talking with a lot of the former summer uh, summer directors, and in this episode, we're talking with Aaron Payne. Hello. Aaron, what, what year... Or years were you the summer director at camp? I was a summer director in 2015. 2015. Okay, so real quick, Aaron, give us just a kind of a, a brief rundown of your your life. Gotcha. Uh, just briefly, you know, how you got connected to camp and then where you're at right now. And then we'll go back and dig in on camp a little more. Okay, wow. Um, so I was born in 1993 in Bryan, Texas. Uh, everyone's heard of Bryan, Texas. Best town ever. Um, and I went to a small church, uh, Central Church of Christ, which, uh, Chris, you're familiar with. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, so is Drew and a lot of former camp people. And I grew up in that youth group. Um, I think a lot of people wish I didn't, but, um, I started going to Camp of the Hills with the volunteering groups in 2004 and, it was kind of like a, a runaway circus situation when I got into high school. Like, I didn't know what else to do with my summer, so I ran off and became a CA at camp. Okay, CA, what, what is that? A camp assistant. I guess okay. they call them liaisons okay. back in the day. Back in the day, yeah. And so I was a camp assistant for a year, and then uh, by way of manipulation on Drew's part and Rostin Calaman's part, I became a counselor and after a few years of counseling they decided that they were in a real pickle so they put me in as director so. <laughs> and so now that was uh what year was that again 
That's 2015. 2015. So for the past two years, what have you been doing? Where are you now? So I finished school last December. And what did you get your degree? I got my degree at Sam Houston in geography and bachelor's of science. And since then, I've been working as the youth minister at Central Church of Christ for about a year, nine months. And then when camp rolled back around again and Drew was director this year, he wanted me on his leadership staff. So I took the position, things started falling into place, and I ended up moving out here about a month ago. Okay. So, yeah. So you're living out here at camp right now? And I am. You're, so are you currently employed at camp also? No, I'm That's not, just actually. a summer. That's just a summer yeah. gig. Okay. So now what are you doing for work now? I work at Save the World Brewing. Uh, it's a brewery out in Marble Falls. We give our profits away, a lot of our profits, to... Uh, Varying uh, nonprofits, uh, people that try to clothe the naked, feed the hungry, shelter the unsheltered. It's definitely something I can get behind as far as the ministry aspect, but also their product. So it's a lot of fun, and I'm really enjoying it. Okay, cool. So all right, so now let's let's back up just a little bit to um, to camp. Do you can you remember the very first time that you ever visited camp? I can, unfortunately. <laughs> it was it was in 2004, and I had um, long, disgusting, wavy hair. And I remember one of the first jobs we had to do was Mel had instructed us and another youth group to canoe from the lake dock out to an island in the camp canoes and get rocks, big rocks, put them back in the canoes, and canoe back. This was supposed to be work, but we turned it into a, um, well, we basically made the other youth groups look bad. Um, Me and Mark Norman decided that we were just going to canoe up to people, pretend to be pirates, steal their rocks, like a sixth grader does, and uh, canoe back. Um, after a couple canoes sunk in the lake, we were asked to stop. But it was a lot of fun. Um, nice. I remember getting absolutely filthy and falling in love with the place. So that that makes me want, I wonder how many people have those types of stories where you show up at camp and you're asked to do some sort of crazy job that you would never think, like, you never think about hey, take these canoes and go get a bunch of huge rocks and bring them. What were the rocks for? Do you remember? Well, uh, they were for the tomb, actually, that we built. And I, I say we because we were part of that eventually Yeah. over the span of a couple years that was being built. There's so many odd things that we've done as a volunteer group coming in the summers and uh, spring break. Mel was just ready to go. As soon as we got to camp, he knew exactly what he wanted us to do. Whether it was canoe and get rocks or rake the forest. Like, (laughs) I remember a specifically long amount of time with rakes in the forest getting rocks and putting them on the path. And we're like, what are we doing? (laughs) Like, so we've done a lot of weird things at camp. And it's it's definitely, um, those were, those are the members I really clung to. It's just like collective ridiculousness. I think everybody, if you've spent any amount of time at camp, you can say that. Yeah, we've done some weird things at camp, whether it be weird work projects like that, raking the forest, or just goofing off with other counselors or campers. Um, So 
how did you, um, how did you, you told a little bit about becoming summer director, mm -hmm. but how did that actually go into that just a little bit more? Well, I was a counselor starting in 2011. I was a half summer counselor and I loved it. Um, I was a little shy. I was a little more like, I was just like trying to get my feet wet in camp. And then 2012, I came out and I just wrecked the place. So I came out really confidently and loved camp. Uh, Drew probably loved me a little less by uh, how confident I was coming out here, but I had a lot of fun. And um, in 2013, I was not technically on staff as a counselor, but a lot of people, well, Paul would call me and like needed help for a week. And I would just told, told my bosses, probably not the best. So I was just like, Hey, I probably need a week off next Thursday. Like, well, within the next week. And I just would leave and go to camp and uh, be there for a week. And I did that about three or four different times during that summer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my bosses were a little less happy, but, uh, you know, so what, what is it about camp that made you want to do that? Why were you willing to do that? For it's, camp of the Hills? it's infectious. Um, the kids are so wonderful. I would have never been pulled back into a counselor position unless I just loved it tremendously. And it is the, sincerely the hardest job I've ever done in my life. Absolutely. Like no questions asked, like being a counselor in a cabin all day, every day, spending as much energy as you have into the kids' lives. That is by far the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. But the tiredness that came from it afterward, the expended emotional energy was well worth it. Mm -hmm. And the kids, some of them were too cool for school, but at the end of the week you knew that they loved you and they loved what you've done and they loved being loved by you. Mm -hmm. And... If like little, if I can like show just a little glint of Christ in the meantime, then I'm glad I was there, and I, it it was worth the week of hard work, yeah, and no pay. So, so then how did you become end up being summer director? Well, the next year, Paul asked me to be on leadership staff as head male in 2014, and I loved it. And I feel like I was able to direct counselors in a loving way and with energy. And um, I kind of found a little niche in leadership, I feel like, at camp. And I felt like it was something I was really called to be doing uh, because I knew the job, I knew the work, and I loved the kids. And I wanted to show counselors how to do that the best way they can. And after 2014... Paul had announced that he was not going to be director for 2015. And Mel called me and was like, hey, you're up. Like, you're on back. So I had to get up really quickly, take the job, which I did immediately. Like, no questions asked. I quit my other jobs, like, within a week. And was like, yeah, I got this. Like, I got to take this. And um, within... Oh, goodness. It was within a couple of days I was already on a recruiting trip in October with Mel Bowman. He was driving the little camp car, and we went to ACU, first stop. And he he was like, the whole trip, he was very nurturing. Just, you know, like, 
I've seen you work at camp. I've seen you do a lot of good. I know you're going to be good at this. Like, bolstering me up, just building my confidence. And, like, I felt really good mm-hmm. about recruiting. And so I get to ACU, set up a booth, meet people, talk to people, get emails, exchange, conversation, whatever. I met up with some other organizations. And Mel was, he said he was off doing some other things. The weekend came to a close. And um, I opened the trunk to put my stuff in the trunk to leave. And there's a uh, there's a deer carcass that had just been quartered up. And uh, I did not know what I was roped into just now. Wait, there was a deer carcass there, in the trunk? There was you a, opened the trunk and there was a deer? There was a deer that Mel had killed, didn't tell me about. <laughs> deer carcass in the car. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? Like, the, I look in the back seat and there's the head with the antlers. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And um, so we're trying to, like, finagle everything back in the car because I have my luggage. He has his. And we also have this giant box that takes up almost the entire back seat for the display. And in the craziness of trying to get everything back in the car, Mel accidentally left the head. In Drew's front yard. We were staying at Drew's house that weekend. And so Drew, like, we were halfway down the road, and Mel's like, I think I left the head in Drew's front yard. <laughs> and we called Drew, and sure enough, that there was a head in the front yard. So um, do you remember any from that weekend? Did you recruit? Did you get any counselors that, that first weekend? Do you remember? I met several people at ACU. Um I got a long list of people that would be interested from former counselors and from just good friends that I have at ACU. Mm-hmm. I got a few counselors, uh, but recruiting at colleges is rough. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that's just plain and simple. You, you, you're meeting a whole bunch of people who are looking for very particular internships. Yeah. And then you're like, you want to come work at camp for free? <laughs> and so it's not exactly the most... Uh, uh, eye opening of a position, I guess. Uh, it's not very attractive, but um, when they get out there, it's infectious and they stay out there, and so I think it's fun. So, so um, another question I want to ask you is about the, and this could be as a counselor or as staff, or right. even as director, or whatever. Think back. Are there any campers that really stand out in your mind that really had an impact on you? Absolutely. Um, Man, there were several campers that really left like marks on me as far as uh, being able to see their maturity increase over the years, and it's been wonderful. Um, my my story is more of like um, I've been a counselor for a while, and I've, I've been able to see campers when I had them in my cabin during elementary week, mm-hmm. and then come back later, and they're like high school week kids. Yeah, and I'm just like I'm like like a proud dad almost like you're watching these kids and it's super, um, super touching to see that. Um, one camper I had my first year as a counselor, um, was a counselor this year. Um, who, who was it? His name is Jacoby Williams. Okay. Uh, I'm certain he'll be listening to this. So you, you had him the first year he came as a camper. Do you know? No, no, it was was the first, my first year as a counselor, his last year as a camper. Okay. So we were the same age. All right. And I was about five foot nine and 130 pounds, 140 pounds, tiny guy. And Jacoby stood six, 
three, six, four. He was a very intimidating guy. Uh, I think that's fair to say. <laughs> and so I was trying to work the point system with him and it was really comical, but we got along and um, it was great to work with him this summer as well. And it's, that was fun to see. And Drew had him as a camper. I had other campers that I've seen kind of grow up here. Uh, one of them, uh, Zadik Rivera, I've seen him as one of my kids and my elementary cabin, who was wildly into Christian hip hop after a little bit. And um, I remember we like burned him CDs one week and sent him home with some, uh, me, Matt Wolfert. And he's come back every single year. And he came back this year as his last year. Uh, as a and, camper. Yeah. And he works at Starbucks in Marble Falls. So I get to go see him that's cool. sometimes. It's that's it's awesome. a lot of fun. That's one of the things that's come out um to me that I didn't realize over the past decade or so, just how many, um, how many of former campers have begun to have the opportunity to be counselors. And Drew was telling me this past summer, summer of uh, 2017, yeah, that, that one-fourth of the counselors were former campers. Yeah. And I love, I love that, and I love thinking about that, how those campers, it's not because of, it's not because of what, Drew or anyone else did this summer of 2017 or even the summer of 2016, mm -hmm. but it's because of what has been done 10 years ago, eight years ago, seven, so, you know, all those summers that, that people like Jacoby or these other guys and girls were coming to camp, that what the counselors invested in them for so many years, now they have become counselors and get to serve in that way. So just seeing the, the, the kingdom orientation of camp and how it builds on year after year and it's so important what what people gave in 2005 how that is having an effect on what 2017 looks like oh absolutely and i, I love that i think that's just such a powerful message for us um, to think about kingdom kingdom living and how that discipleship um, even if it's a limited you know one or two weeks during the summer it can be so powerful have such a huge impact Absolutely. Um, a board member brought a box this year of uh, just this treasure trove of a whole bunch of different old counselor manuals from like 2001, 2003. And like back when we used to do like a yearbook of our campers coming through and like we were able to like flip through that. And like these kids came to camp and a lot of them we've seen in some capacity outside of camp or working with camp. And it's just so tremendous to see that. Or we see old counselors that were counselors then who became directors. Yeah. Like Drew was a camp assistant back then. And it was really cool because I think in 2003 was his first year uh, as a counselor because Chris Field had roped him in. Yeah. Uh, but it was it's amazing just to see the, the way that the kingdom works here and inspires people to love really well uh so tell me about a time see if you can think of a memory or a time when one of the other counselors or one of the campers really blessed you that that summer that you were director any time when somebody did something that stands out that was really just a blessing to you absolutely my best friend mark norman also a central guy uh grew up in brian with me he Loves camp, uh, like tremendously, of course. But one week, one of our counselors uh, had to leave 
camp. Um, he was going, he was struggling with some things and just needed to go back home. And that meant I was down another guy counselor. And so I was kind of a little bit stressed. I knew we could do it, but I called Mark and I was like, dude, yeah, we just, we just lost one of our guys. It's going to be, it's going to be pretty tough. And he was like, man, that's, that's, man, that's rough. Like, like, I'll see if I can like call around and find anyone. And we hang up on the phone. And then 10 minutes later, he calls me back. He's like, yeah, actually, I just quit Shipley's. Uh, I'll be there. Uh, Give me 24 hours. (laughs) And he was there that night, actually, and showed up and was in a cabin the rest of the summer. That's awesome. And it it was outstanding because not only did he just love camp as much as anyone could, he was willing to put life on hold right there and come and work for the kids and whole camp was blessed by him absolutely um and he's shown up uh reluctantly at least one week every summer since Uh, it's been really funny to see that but um he showed up just out of nowhere ready to serve and he he gave camp four weeks that summer like just quitting a job just so he can come out and help and that was absolutely tremendous I love that about camp, how the the diff- and this happens other places too. It's not only at Camp of the Hills, but for some reason, sometimes it's a little more obvious at camp, how the, the difficulties that you are faced with at camp, how God uses those um, to really bless and reveal his, his glory and also his graciousness. And that, that's a great example of that. You know, you were in a very tight situation. And I, I wanted to know if you if there's any other specific times at camp where you were faced with a, a very difficult situation or a difficulty, a struggle, something that, you know, at first glance you would wish that you didn't have to deal with. Right. But after passing through it, you see how God really used that to either bless you or bless other, other counselors or other campers. Um, I think back real quick from when I was a counselor, um, and I think this was... I think it was the summer of 97 mm-hmm. and we had a, a real bad drought that year and we didn't have any camp was running out of water every week. Um, Mel was coming in, coming into the, to our staff meeting and saying, Hey, I've had to lower the, the pump again down the well because the water's getting lower and lower. And it finally one week in the summer, it got so low that camp, uh, Mel said, okay, um, guys, you can't, no, no showers this week until further notice. We can't, we can't waste water on showers. So we had a week of no showers and it was a, it was a difficult thing going into that week, but we spent that whole week instead of doing showers, we would take our guys, our campers down to the lake to swim in the lake again. That was our, yeah. <laughs> that was our, yeah, yeah. our bath time. And we had so many special memories of getting to quote, you know, bathe. We weren't bathing. Everybody's wearing their bathing suits and swimming, but that was, that was the whole week. And it was a really special week for everybody. We look back really thankful for that week. Thankful that we, um, had to deal with that and we, we really had a lot of fun. So that was, you know, one thing that I see that God really through a difficult time brought about a lot of blessing and fun even. Right. So, well, I would say, there was a few moments that I could definitely point to that have um, really blessed uh, me, but also people around us um, at camp. But 
one of them was uh, 2012. It was during high school week. We had a very full high school week, and it was rough on a lot of people. Uh, I remember I was in cabin B6, and G6 with Mary Tompkins and some other uh, female counselors, they were having a rough week. It was the first or the second night their girls decided, we're not going to follow you up the stairs. We're going to jump in the pool at night uh, and just go crazy. So they had a pretty tough time discipline-wise with their kiddos. We had multiple meals where the guy counselors and the girl counselors would switch tables um, to kind of give them a break. And I remember it was so funny because I remember our meals. It was very, very quiet. And then there would be little quips of... uh, just some sassiness that you get from campers. And it was it was rough, and I can see that it was uh, really draining some of the girls. And then um, I would go back to my guys, and I'd be like, hey, uh, thank y'all so much for being awesome for the girl counselors. And they're like, oh, yeah, they're great. We want to eat with them more often. I was like, yeah, thanks. All right, <laughs> cool. All right, I didn't want to hang out with you guys anyway. Um, but that week also, this was a really big moment for me at least. There was... A camper at, well, a camper on the guy's side who was very infuriated uh, at another counselor. Uh, And the camper was really pining for and looking for a fight uh, any way he could get it. Um, And he wanted to hit this counselor. And I, I jumped in, being on leadership staff, I jumped in to help. And I was trying to defuse the situation like I'd done a whole bunch as a counselor and um, trying to bring him down as best we could. And over time, it it was seeming to work and seeming to get to him. But at the end, he ended up uh, swinging at this other counselor and he was hit. Thank the Lord we had some of the (laughs) some really big guy counselors that year. They were able to pull him away and... um, get him away from the other counselor. I was able to go with the counselor, get him out of sight um, to let the campers um, calm down. And it was a rough night for both, well, for all of us as counselors. And we really struggled through that situation. By the end of it, I remember I felt just distraught. Uh, I was, I was like tears streaming down my face, just absolutely devastated because of what just happened. And, the harsh reality that we're going to have to send this kid home in the morning on the second day. And I knew this, I knew this kid from college station. He could use camp. And, um, I ended up connecting with him outside of camp afterward. But, um, but I was just really distraught that night. And my cabin who I had just met the night before, they all see that I had a stressful situation and they, climbed down off their bunks and they prayed for me. I mean, I couldn't hold it in. Like that was, that was one of the most difficult moments of my life sandwiched with, uh, one of the most spiritually rich moments of my life with kids around me who I feel like it, like I was supposed to be ministering to, but they were more ministering to me and it was a beautiful thing. Yeah. So, that's really neat. Yeah. That's really neat. So that kind of leads 
into my next thought, just thinking about camp. I mean, when you when you come out to camp and you walk around and look around, it's a it's a pretty place. Oh yeah, it's got some beautiful views, but it's not it's not like the most gorgeous camp I've ever been to. It's not the most special. The cabins are just they're just cabins. The dining hall, the dining hall. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing there's nothing physically to make Camp of the Hills stand out over and above other camps that I've been to. Right. But there's something still so unique about Camp of the Hills, and it's it's who camp serves. The, the people that, that camp chooses to invite out here and serve and bless. And from your perspective, your experience at camp and your experience um, over the years, seeing different campers, different people, even counselors and yourself, what what is it about Camp of the Hills that makes it such a blessing to the campers and to the counselors? What What is... Why is it so beneficial? I think it's it's weird. There's this odd culture at camp that it's, um, for lack of a better term, uh, we've all uh, when you have counselors here, we all we've all drank the Kool Aid. We all buy in to what camp's about mm. first, and once we've all gotten down that, the aesthetics don't matter. Like like our dingy little cabins. I, I remember. Well, okay, now it's a little different. Our cabins are actually legit. Uh, they have AC units, and on the girls' side, they have bathrooms built in. But uh, I remember having a cabin with a swamp cooler, uh, and it was not the most comfortable place to sleep. Now we have tempur mattresses that somebody donated, and that's wonderful. But once the counselors buy into, sincerely, what we're doing, they realize that the ministry that we're doing is wildly important we are all on board together then the kids see that they they notice that the kingdom is the most important this camp that's only 105 acres is not the important part it's jesus who's the important part and we're here to show jesus to everyone we come in contact with to the counselors that we work with to the kids that come through and that's what really makes this place special it's not it's not the swimming hole that's made of a concrete poured hole dug in the ground that's only about four feet deep or the pavilion that's always dust-ridden and slippery when you're playing basketball on or the very mucky waters of the lake that we're trying to canoe in. It's that we love each other so well despite all that to show Jesus and the kids see it in our face. They see it in our love for this place and it doesn't matter like if the balls are a little flat when we're playing basketball it matters that we're here doing it together and it's so fun and once counselors buy into it and they can feel comfortable here then the campers see that and they just thrive and it's beautiful to see yeah one of the things i remember just getting people out of the city you know Mm -hmm. whether whether it's counselors even or particularly campers, but bringing them away from their typical home life, where whatever it is, it could be it does, not necessarily bad, but just getting away from home, getting out of the city, out to camp. And I remember all the times of seeing kids show up at the beginning of the week with this rough exterior, you know, walls up. You can almost see mm-hmm. them. And over the week, seeing those walls come down, seeing the kids slowly open themselves up and soften and begin to truly 
be interested in what is this Christianity thing you're talking about or Jesus right. or and God and and that that was always a really profound and a powerful message for me to see that um, kind of that infant stage of interest in God and in the church and in the kingdom and what a blessing that was not just hopefully to those campers but to us to myself and to the other counselors how that like you said they would even minister mm. to us we were ministering to one another absolutely through fun even through soccer on the you know playing soccer barefoot or walking up and down the hill and having those conversations that's such a such a unique thing to camp at the hills you know Right. I mean, you take kids' phones away for a week. They're going to have to talk to you for at least a, a few minutes. So, um, And then walls start coming down, and it's really beautiful. Yeah. If there's any, just think, if you want to spend a few minutes just thinking through other stories, like specific um, examples of even just fun memories, memories that stand out. Maybe it's um, when you saw when you saw kind of a breakthrough in a, in a particular camper or, or a moment, um, something that, anything like, I think those stories are really powerful, you know, mm. and, and I think it's okay to give detail. Yeah, even absolutely. You leave out their names, but yeah. you just give, you know, if there's anything in particular. Yeah, no, um, I've, I've got a few people on my mind, but mainly breakthroughs with, uh, counselors, it seems. Like being able to see them as like as director, seeing them flourish was something that was beautiful. So, in when I was head male in 2014, we had these three lovely, wonderful CAs. Uh, they know who they are, um, but I'm gonna say their names anyway. I don't care. Um, Katie Radford, Kaylee Lowe, and Gabriela Herrera, and um, all three of them were outstanding and all three of them were under the tutelage of mama khaki uh the one and only and they worked so hard that year and at the end of the year they were all determined i'm gonna be a counselor next year like that's what i'm gonna do i want to i want to be a counselor i want to be in that role that i've seen everybody do so well this year so next year when i was director first three girls I hired were those three. They showed up and all of them were tremendously nervous. Every single one of them. They, they were like fired up to do it and then when the time came they were like, oh no. Um, I remember Kaylee coming in uh, after her first negative point interaction. After the first time she had to discipline a kid. She... Um, which the kid really sent her through the ropes. Like, kid was like climbing under under tables, and Kaylee was chasing after, her, like really giving her the giving her the, like giving her the goods, like a really good negative point interaction. Kaylee was absolutely distraught. So she was so sad. She had to discipline this kid. She came into my office, and she was she was sad. She was in tears, and I was uh, I was like. It, as funny as it can be, like, that that um, happened. Like, the kid was running through tables and just re- just being sassy like, like a 12-year-old can be. She comes in there weeping because she wants to love these kids well. And 
although I thought it was a little bit humorous at the time just because like I was in those shoes and it was fun to see how she reacted which she did tremendously um best one of the best counselors camp scene I could tell through her tears and through how much she wants to love the kids well that she's going to be a terrific addition to camp and she's been here for uh, well she was here last year as a counselor for a full summer and the other two girls have been here as well for uh, a long time and they love camp just as well and when kids are leaving on Saturday morning all three of those girls are in tears and those are just the truest marks of loving the kids as hard as you can all week long and seeing that through them is tremendous um, they'll probably hate me for picking on them, but you know, gotta do what I gotta do. Yeah. That, when you bring up that discipline aspect and I think back to when I was here, um, there was one, one camper in my cabin and he was, he was, he was much younger. I think he was probably seven or eight and he came with a little chip on his shoulder, but he's a little guy. So, you know, it's kind of that. It's almost cute yeah. to see that chip on his shoulder, but at the same time, he could get pretty rowdy. <laughs> but So because he's so cute, he was, it was easy to love on him. It was easy to... But when, that, when he would, you know, get ornery or get attitude or start, you know, cussing at me or whatever, you know, I, I would have to discipline. And I can remember one day he did something. He, he really, really kind of went over the line pretty far. And, really, <laughs> and so I had to have a pretty serious interaction and, and he earned quite a few negative points and he got really upset but I didn't stop you know I just followed the followed the steps or whatever and, and I stayed calm and talked with him and let him calm down so he had earned quite a few negative points and it took so long that we were late for swim time everybody else had already gone down to the mm-hmm. lake and so it was just me and him when we finally got it all resolved and we're ready to move on to the next thing and he had calmed down and I just thought that he was hating me and that that was it for the rest of the week. He was just going to, you know, give me the cold shoulder and be mean to me or what. I didn't know what he was going to do. But I had tried my best to discipline him well and with love and care and compassion and kindness, uh, but to still discipline him, you know. Right. And he, he was doing what was wrong and we weren't going to put up with it. And on the way down the hill, I caught out of the corner of my eye that he kept kind of looking up at me. And I, I, so I kind of tried to glance down to see what he was doing without letting him see that I was looking. And I realized that he was looking at me and trying to make sure that we were walking in step. <laughs> he wanted to step with his right at the same time I stepped with my right. And even the way I was doing my hands, he was, he was trying to copy me. He wanted to be like me mm-hmm. in that moment. And I was like, and then, he, then at that, he actually looked up at me and saw me watching him and this huge smile broke across his face and a smile like like what I see in my kids now I have kids and when they smile at you like they really like you and are happy to be with you even though I just disciplined him in it that that image his just big giant smile trying to copy me after I disciplined him um, I hope I hope that that memory stays with me forever I hope I don't ever forget that but that um, it's so important about camp that we, and like you're saying with, with right. that particular female counselor, trying to love them well. And that doesn't mean letting them do whatever they want. Sometimes it means disciplining and teaching the right way 
and teaching a new way and not letting them get away with, with sin or with disobedience and how that is such a vital, important part of camp, you know? It is. And honestly, that, that it devastates counselors at first, but uh, when, when they realize that the kids love you for it, mm. it it's, it's like a little small glints of the father, just mm-hmm. how he loves us and he uh, disciplines us and he chooses to love us and we come out on the other end loving him more. Mm-hmm. And seeing that in the kid's face is outlandishly uh, infectious and I mean if camp was so easy for every counselor every year and just kids never sent you through the ropes it'd be it wouldn't matter as much mm-hmm. and people wouldn't be coming back as much mm-hmm. but people come back because of the hardship they come back because they're able to love the kids who sometimes don't get the patience that they deserve mm-hmm. and giving them the patience and the opportunity to have those father-son moments like that is so important for them growing up as good, wonderful people in this world. We were started because camp- campers were getting kicked out of other camps. like, And so we're, like, we're not going to send you home because you're a little annoying every now and again or you throw a couple of rocks. We love these kids hard throughout, like, all the crazy things they say to us. And if you've been a counselor, you've been called all of the names. But, um, and you've heard every word in the book. But it's absolutely worth it. And I think because of that, I was able to become a patient youth minister. I was able to work with kids better, like, way better. Um than I would have ever dreamed of. And without these experiences, I wouldn't be wanting to be a teacher. And it's, I mean, you can say from experience of being an actual dad, but it's so rewarding to be able to know that you have maybe even just the tiniest impact, even in, even if it's in a memory mm. with these kids. Like even if they remember the time that I discipline this kid because he threw a dead squirrel at Mary. Like, is that a true story? That's definitely a true story. Um, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, he found a dead squirrel on the road and threw it like through in her face. Well, not in her face, but like showed it to her and she slapped it out of his hand. It was great. But, um, even those like small memories of discipline through those situations, like are going to stick with he and myself forever. Mm. And the love of the Father is going to shine through in every step. And I love that. Yeah. What, how, how has God revealed himself to you through camp? Or what have you learned about God's character through camp? I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, I would not be the Christian I am today without camp. And I'll, I'll like, y'all, you, you, you guys know, uh, growing up in a youth group, uh, there, there are a lot of goofy games that you do and you hear all the lessons and they just kind of shoot by you and you you don't pay mind to it very much, uh, at the time at least. But when I came out to camp and when I first served at camp, not as a volunteer, but as a counselor and as a CA, that's where I became a Christian. I feel like that's where I learned how to love well and I learned what the love of God like truly means. So if I didn't have camp, 
I don't know what I'd have as far as my Christian walk if I didn't know how to be patient with people, with kids in the face of being sent through the ropes, sent like sent into the corner, like of just all their, well, all the craziness, all the name calling, all the hardships, all the running away and me chasing you through the woods situations. Those refined me as a Christian because I know that that's me. I was that kid running through the forest away from my counselor and he was running after me because he loves me. And that's God. And he does that to, for us every day. Yeah. And so this place showed me what God's love is really like. Yeah. And without it, I don't, I don't think I'd be where I'm at today. There's no way um, if I didn't have camp, I would have ever been uh, a part-time youth minister at Central. Um, because, oh man, I, I really, uh, I was that kid at Central, you know? The one that, like, it takes a village to raise. That was me. And so if I didn't have camp to refine me a little bit, then I wouldn't have been there. I wouldn't have been back. And I honestly don't know if I would be working in ministry exclusively since. So I'm picky with where I work, and I want to work with people who show the love of Christ to people. And I think camp has really brought out this very unselfish love that I like to cling to as best I can. Yeah. So, you know, one of the one of the oldest ceramic factories in the world, like like fine china, you yeah, know, like teacups and saucers and all that. One of the oldest ones in the world is in Europe, and um, the china they or the ceramic they make in order in order to come up with a finished piece, like a teacup, for example, mm-hmm. in order for it to be completely finished, so they're ready to sell that to someone to use on a daily basis. It has to go through the firing process like a minimum of like six different times. Mm. And every time they paint a new color on there, they have to refire it. So they'll only do one color at a time and refire it. And so um, I heard a guy talking about it, just saying that that firing process of going through the kennel, going through the heat is what brings out the beauty Mm. of that piece. And I see that happening at camp. Absolutely. Through, through the, for the counselors, for the campers, for the summer staff. You know, you're going through difficult times. You're struggling, whether it's the heat or the tiredness or no water or campers being mean to you or whatever it is, you know. Um, that fire that God, he, if we allow him to, he refines us and he brings out the beauty that he's put there. But the best way to get that, reveal that that glory and that beauty is by going through the fire absolutely and um that refining process it's not not always fun but it is good um but at camp you know you look back with a lot of fun memories too oh yeah that's awesome oh yeah no there's i mean there's for every crazy tough time there's like a million different ridiculous fun times that you remember yeah well aaron thanks so much man i really appreciate it it's been it's been fun listening and talking and hearing about your story i'm 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 glad that I get to do this because I get to know you better. We were talking last time I saw you. I think we figured out you were like nine or ten years old. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, That's cool. It's really cool for me. Um, And as you know, like we talked about, we're getting ready to do this fundraising campaign for camp. And you mentioned it that camp hasn't been able to pay the counselors for 20 years. It's been 20 years since camp paid their counselors. And so... Um, 
Drew and the board and Michael and, and them, they've made a goal, or, or not just a goal, they've made a decision that they're going to start paying campers right. starting this next summer. So we're helping, you know, put together this campaign, we're calling it 20 for 20. Right. 20 for 20 campaign. And we are going to be, um, we're trying to raise enough money for camp to pay the counselors this next summer. Mm. And so our goal is $100,000 to help cover those costs. And the, the actual campaign will be a 48-hour campaign. It'll start on November 17th and it'll end on November 19th. And we're going to ask everybody, if you've ever served at camp in any capacity, whether it's as a counselor, as a director, as summer staff, as a volunteer, you came out for a work group, whatever, we are trying to get everybody to donate just $20. And if everybody donates $20, then we will easily, easily meet our goal. Um, so this podcast mini-series is part of that. We're trying to promote right. that fundraiser, yeah. the 20 for 20 campaign. So um, you can uh, check it out. We've got a, a website set up that you can go to, and we'll be posting more of this stuff on Facebook, trying to get the word out. So if you'll um, just, everybody listening to this, help us get the word out. You can um, share it with people on Facebook or whatever. So Aaron, in, you know, to end this, maybe you could just say a prayer for camp, for this next summer, for the fundraiser, and for all the people who will be out here. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah, let's pray then. Um, Father, you are so good to us, and we are so thankful that this place, this wonderful, beautiful camp, is able to serve people and serve your children in a patient love that will be remembered forever. Uh, God, I ask that um, through these uh, talks that we've been having, um, through the um, through the fundraiser, we're able to fulfill our goal so that it will bless others. Um, God, this is it's a small piece of your uh, working in the world by being here just in Texas and maybe some kids in Oklahoma, but it impacts them for the rest of their lives. And if you've ever seen camp, we, we know that those kids come back and they remember this place. And that's so good and so fulfilling. And this kingdom is better for having this place. Thank you, God, for all of that. For all the food that we've eaten here, the camp food, for all the volunteers that have shown up to rake the forest, and for all the counselors who had dead squirrels put in their face. God, you are wonderful in your blessings. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Aaron. No problem. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Camp of the Hills 20 for 20 podcast. For more information about this amazing 48-hour fundraising event, please go to 20-for20.com. That's 20for20.com.